The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, whatever you're reading from, cell phone, iPads, uh, just lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, last week we started um, a conversation, right, talking about uh, if God is good, then what's up with this? That's the title of uh, the series we've been, uh, we've, you know, started to embark on. If God is good, then what's up with this? And I believe that uh, just like myself, some of you may have asked this question at one point in their lives, right? In your life, uh, you know God is good, but man, some things go uh, pear-shaped, and you're thinking, man, if God is good, man, what's up with this? Anybody ever asked that question? Yeah, we're going to be answering uh, that question. And last week, we looked at how God is good, and that is good all the time, and that he is not responsible for all the evil that's going on in the earth, and that we said if you read in Colossians 2, 7 to 8, that a wrong philosophy about who God is can cause you to live a defeated life. If you are not uh, 100% assured about the goodness of God, and that is God is good and, and, and only good comes out of him, uh, you could live a defeated life. Amen? And so we need to know that God is good and that he is good all the time. And the devil is bad, and that he's bad all the time. And we need to know that God is the source of all good things. The Bible tells us that every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. And so we know that God is, is, is good. He's not responsible uh, for all the calamities that we see here on the earth. You know, uh, I know the insurers have uh, classified when bad things happen. They have, uh, you know, natural disasters, and they have a clause in there that they call uh, acts of God. Anybody ever heard that? Those are not acts of God, amen? And we are about to show you through Scripture that those are not God's acts. God's acts are kindness. God's acts is goodness. God's acts is love. Watch this, unconditional love for his children. Can I get an amen? And so today we want to look at the setup, we want to look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, for us to understand the grand scheme of things, we really have to understand the setup. And so let's go to Genesis chapter number one. Let's go to Genesis chapter number one, and we're going to read from verse 26 to 28 uh, in the King James Bible. And it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion, over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And so the, at the very foundation, uh, what we see is that God created you and I in his image. Amen? God created every single person uh, in his image, and that image is spirit. If you read in John 4, 24, it says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. And so you and I, at the core of our beings, we are spiritual entities. Amen? What you see on the outside is just a shell, uh, but the real you is, is your spirit. This is why when you die, uh, people will say, you know, they've left us, but they still have a body, you know, right there. With, but they know the core or the real person is a spirit which has 
you know, departed and gone to, to be with the Father, for to be absent uh, from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? And so when God created us in his spirit, he, he then answered the next question, now what? Now what? And to which he said, let them have dominion. Right? So he created this thing called the earth, and he said, let them have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the face of the earth. Now, I want you to notice something that is conspicuous in its absence, and it is this, that it does not say, God then said, let them have dominion over each other. Did y'all see that? He said, let them have dominion over creation, over the fish in the sea, over the birds in the air, and over the creepers, right? The things that creep on the earth. And, and God never called any of us to have dominion over another human being. It's actually a fruit of the curse when human beings, you know, try to control each other and, and so on and so forth. And uh, this is why, before he tells us what we should have dominion over, he really establishes this truth that when you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with people that have been created after the image and the likeness of God himself. Amen? Amen? And until we start relating uh, to each other on the basis of our true identity, we will, you know, keep seeing prejudices. We'll keep seeing all kinds of things happen. You know, on Wednesday, we got the opportunity to host, you know, Pastor C and I um, on the Wealth Builders webinar, Billy Epperhart, and he was teaching on divine connections and things of that nature. And after the webinar, you know, I went to my wife and I started talking to her, having conversation, you know, because... Uh, we seem to bump into our divine connections easier. You know, I, I, I can't explain it, but we seem to bump into our divine connections easier than, than most people trying hard. And so I was like, Lord, why is it that, you know, some people don't, don't get to connect with their divine connections and things of that nature? And the Lord took me to, to Genesis 126, and he says, because uh, human beings, my children, fail to recognize and to relate with people on the basis of their true identity. You know, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 16, and I know we like verse 17, which says, if any man is a new creature, right? Uh, uh, all things have passed away. Behold, everything has become what? Uh, brand new. We like that part. But verse 16, the foundation of verse 17 is, he's talking about how you relate with people. He says, no, no man after the flesh. In other words, when you walk into a building, you shouldn't be seeing the outward shell. And this is the trip up. For most people who don't get to meet their divine connections, it's because they are looking at the outside. They are looking at what man can do for them. Well, here's the news flash. Man can do nothing for you. Your vision, God's vision on your life is way too big, even if I had enough money in the world. All of it. I still can't do much for you. Amen. And so, when we, when we interact with people, we must realize that we are dealing with uh, uh, people who are created in the image of God. In fact, uh, uh, James chapter number 2, verse 3, he tells us the attitude we should carry uh, in this regard. Let's go to James. This is just a side thing I'm giving you, free of charge. No one is going to charge you for this, right? Uh, James chapter number 2, verse 3 in the King James. We, we, I'm not sure I should read it in the King James because... He says some words there. Look at it. This he says, and um, you you have. Let's read in verse two. Let's go to verse two. Let's start in verse two, uh, just so you can get the context. He says, if if they come unto you uh, to your assembly, a man with a gold ring and with goodly apparel, and they come in uh, also a poor man in vile raiment, uh, how how do you respond? Right, verse three. Watch what he says in verse three. And you have respect to him that weareth gay clothing. He says, man, if you. He says, if you gravitate towards people who wear gay clothes, that's, that's not me, it's the King James, right? They <laughs> say shiny stuff, right? But, but let's read it in English in the, in the New Living Translation. Let's read it in the New Living Translation. Let's leave this, this stuff alone. Verse 3, watch. If you give, watch this now. He says, if, if, if he, someone comes into your meeting and you happen to have a meeting, and then you walk into that meeting right at work, 
uh, in the church, in any community, if you are this person, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can go stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, verse 4, watch this now. Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? In other words, you're not functioning in God's perfect way. So you won't meet your divine connections if you judge people by the outside. Now, some of you may say, I, I, I don't have a meeting. I don't ever, I'm not into events planning, so I don't get to sit people around. He's not talking about you sitting people around. He's talking about an attitude of life. If you just walk around and you gravitate towards people that you think can do something for you, you got evil motives. You know, and pastors, it happens to us all the time because I show up the way I want to show up. You know, one of my friends, Joseph Z, calls me the originator. He says, you're authentic. And in fact, they laugh at me. Uh, uh, Kyle and Ashley, they say, man, only PT can do some of this stuff that I do. I just, because I do what I want to do. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I tried. I realized you can't, so I do me. Right? And so I show up the way I show up. And so when I go to these pastor's meetings, everybody's wearing three-piece suit. They're showing off their, you know, Sean John suits and, you know, Versace, Versace right? <laughs> showing off their Gucci and they're, and they're all fighting to sit in the front. And I, usually I walk in and I sit at the back and we just chill out and just hang out and no one pays us any special attention. In fact, uh, Christine Bloomstein was hosting a Kenneth Copeland minister's uh, meeting the one time, and uh, she went and introduced uh, uh, Pastor C to a couple in that meeting and said, you know, you need to connect, and the couple didn't pay us any attention until they found out what we did, and all of a sudden they turned around and said, oh, can I make you a cup of tea? That's carnal. Amen. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen. Went to the a pastor's conference last year uh, in England, Andrew Womack's uh, pastor's conference, I usually sit at the back, just hang out, you know, chill out. At least when I'm at the back, you know, I can whisper something to my wife and, you know, it won't, you know, just we can, we can have a good time, right, during praise and worship. And, uh, and, and, and so I'm in there and, you know, I'm trying to connect with people and it's like every time I try, there's a wall, right? People don't want to talk to you because you're sitting at the back. You know, and, and I always tell my wife, watch what's about to happen. Because usually they find out on day two or three that I know some of the big guns in there. In fact, on this particular one, Billy Eppard calls me up on stage to preach a little something, you know. Yeah. And so I preach a little something. And when, by the time I got down, you know, I was the darling of the crowd. <laughs> How many of you know that, that that's, that's just carnal? Because all of a sudden, I'm your darling, but two minutes ago, I wasn't, you know, because you're thinking about what, I, what this man can do for me. And here, the Apostle James is saying we should not relate with people based on the outside or what we think they can do for us. We must relate with people based on their true identity. No, no man after the flesh. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? And so when you do that, you open yourself up for divine connections. And people will wonder, how come you attract all these things and attract all these people? It is because of a heart attitude that treats people the way you must treat them. Man, and quite frankly, man, some of the people don't look like, you know, they're, they're wearing, you know, gay clothing, like KJV says. Some of the people that God is bringing, they don't look the part. In fact, the, one of the greatest blessings in our lives has been Carly and Ashley Teredes, and the person who introduced us to them, quite frankly, is a little annoying. He's a prophet, and, you know, I don't, he wants to go do coffee with me, and, I mean, his, his stories, I'm like, man, you annoy me. Leave me alone. And, 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 and yet I had to hang out with him and know him, not after the flesh, so he can get me, you know, the things that God was using me to, to him to get to me. Amen? And so I'm saying, I'm telling you, if you understand this, that God created man in his image not for us to dominate them but for us to serve them it will do you well can i get an amen that was just a little you know side thing but we see here that god gave us dominion someone shout i'm large and in charge because that's the truth when god created you he gave you authority and dominion I'm talking about Adam and Eve, right? They had authority and dominion, watch this, over all of God's creation. And so God gave it to them. He gave them the earth. You know, God, it still belongs to God, but God gave it to them. Let's go to Psalm 115. Let's go to Psalm 115. We're going to read uh, verse 16. 
You know, when, when, when things are going crazy, we tend to blame God. But really, for the most part, we are the ones to blame. Because we need to step up and, uh, and be counted. Amen. It says in Psalm 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath, past tense, he given, past tense, to the children of who? Of man. Now, if you read the same in the NLT, it says the heavens belong to God. But he has given, past tense, the earth to all humanity. Now, God didn't give it to us permanently. God gave it to us on a loan, kind of like uh, he, he made us tenants, right? Uh, large and in charge, uh, 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 responsible for this thing. He gave us dominion. What is dominion? Dominion is simply this, control, authority over a territory of sovereign government. And God gave to us uh, unconditional authority over the earth. And when someone gives you authority over something, it's up to you how you use it. You can either make it better or you can ruin it. Amen? And so if you went and you bought a house... I thought someone was going to say amen, amen, you know. I thought, man, everybody's like, man, I can't relate, you know. Psh. Okay, let me try that one more time. Let me try that one more time. I'm going to come back there and say it again, right? And you're going to act like you know what I'm talking about. And so if you went and you bought a house, amen. that's more like it, you know. Sometimes you preach something and they're like, man, psh, man, I'm trying to elevate your faith, right? And so if you went and bought a house, right, and then you, you put a tenant in it, Right, you make them sign a, a, a lease agreement. Right, you put a tenant in it. Who does the house belong to? Me, right? But how many of you that know that even though the house belongs to you, if your relatives fly in from a different city, you can't take them to your house for lunch if you have put a tenant in it. You'll be charged for what? Trespassing. You don't want you here, uninvited, right? Essentially, that's what God did when he created the earth. He put men in charge as tenants, and God will not just budge into your life. Watch this, uninvited, because he could be charged for trespassing. And this is why God gave us an avenue called prayer, where you can, you can invite him in on your issues. God can see that you're messing it up, but until he's invited, God is not trespassing. Because you are the one that's in charge. Amen. Amen. Man, you could see through Instagram pictures that, oh, man, these people renting my house, they put that TV on the wrong spot. <laughs> but how many of you know that you can't do nothing about it? You can only do something about it if they, if they ask you or they invite you into the matter. God is sitting in heaven thinking, oh, my goodness, man, they shouldn't have married that one. Oh, just one amen. I didn't add that amen. Just one amen. <laughs> they should have asked me. He's sitting in heaven thinking, man, they should have asked me. Amen? And so I say this to say, sometimes when we say God is good, but what's up with this? It is because we have not invited God in our issues. That's your answer to what's up with this. Can I get an Amen. And sometimes we have not exercised our authority. God has given it to us, but it's time for us to exercise it. Amen. You know, the one time I was driving and it was in traffic and I don't know what was going on with the traffic and the uh, traffic cops and so on and so forth. And uh, the, the, the traffic cops have an authority over the traffic uh, lights. And the thing was red, but the traffic cop stood there. I think we needed to clear traffic for a VIP that needed to drive through that thing. And he waved me on. He said, come through. It was a red light. It was a traffic cop. And I knew he had the authority to wave me. And, I, man, I drove through it. And the same authority when it comes to uh, uh, dealing with life issues, God has given it to the believers where we have authority over circumstances. We have authority over what's happening generally in the earth. And, and instead of us, see, God doesn't call you uh, to be a social commentator. He has called you to be a divine orchestrator. He has called you to speak and line things up in order. This is why the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, verse 19, the entire creation out there, the entire circumstances out there, they are waiting for the manifestation of the true sons of God. The sons of God need to stand up and do something about it. 
Now let's go to Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4, verse 37. It says this. This is Jesus and the disciples, right? Uh, they are going through uh, uh, the sea, and uh, there was a storm that arose. And it says in verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So water was coming into the boat. I mean, this is a real serious situation. Talk about storms of life. I mean, this thing was full of the storms of life, right? And in verse 38, he said he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. See, because sleep is still, uh, you know, your promise, if you read Psalm 127, you can sleep through the storm, but that's not going to change uh, uh, anything. After you sleep and you get up, you need to take authority and fix some things. Can I get an amen? amen. And so they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Or in other words, do you not care about what we are going through? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still, and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Jesus understood his authority. And he understood that he was not called to be a social commentator, but a divine orchestrator. When the mountain confronted him, what did he do? He spoke to the mountain. He didn't talk about the mountain. And this is why sometimes, just sometimes, you know, uh, 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 professional counselors are dangerous. Because you go to a professional counselor and you say, man, there's a storm brewing. They say, yeah, just pour out. Talk about the storm. Just pour out. Yeah, this storm, there's lightning. Yeah, pour out. Pour out some more. Yeah, it's gray. Yeah, pour out some more. Now it's raining and the boat is filling up. Yeah, pour out. Pour out some more. That's not going to change life. Can I get an amen? amen? There's some things you just need to rebuke. You don't counsel some stuff. In fact, whenever I go into a counseling session, I'm constantly in tune with the Holy Spirit asking, is this time to cast the demon out or to listen to this person? Because sometimes you're listening and you're counseling a demon. Man, you foul spirit. Puma in the name of Jesus. You're going to waste two hours of your time counseling. You don't counsel demons, you rebuke them. He says, believers just cast out devils. Can I get an Amen. And sometimes you whip them. Physical pain, sometimes when you're dealing with children, you whip the demon out of children. Children, you don't counsel children. It says if you spare the rod, man, this will preach. Some of your parents trying to talk to your children. Uh, do you think that's not selfish? So they don't even understand. Man, just whip. Don't do that again. Until they're 18, yeah, now we can define the word selfish. <laughs> or until they're taller than you. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> Man, some of these parents, these 20, 23 parents, they're trying to talk to a two-year-old. Oh, Johnny, don't do that stuff. I'm like, man, oh, you don't understand. Johnny's, Johnny, Johnny is just like that. No, Johnny is not like that. You give me Johnny for one week. Give me, give me Johnny for one week. I'll stay with Johnny for one week. I'll give him back to you. He'll be a proper Johnny. Amen. Man, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny naughty. Johnny is not naughty. <laughs> Please delete this from the sermon. Yeah. Man, social services is going to be looking for me. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Jesus rebuked the storm, right? Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said unto them, you would think Jesus would turn around and say to them, I'm so sorry, guys, I took a nap. He turned around to them and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you don't stand and rebuke this stuff? Have you forgotten who you really are? So he's trying to show them that they have the same authority. Man, I'm telling you, the same authority that Jesus functioned in, he delegated it to us. Amen. He said, all power in heaven, in, on the earth has been given unto me. And he turned around and he says, now you go. And he turned around and he said, believers shall go and do these things. He said, believers shall lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? He says, believers, if they drink any deadly poisonous thing, it shall not hurt them. He says, believers shall, shall cast out devils. Who? Believers. You know what he was doing? What he was doing is he was building an army of God. 
that will fight the good fight of faith. Man, the day you got born again, you were entreated, uh, enlisted, right? Enlisted into the army of God, and God put his authority on you. Man, you can read in, in uh, Romans chapter number 8, verse 11, one of my absolute favorite scriptures. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same one, he says he put it in the, mortal, in the believer so that it can quicken your mortal bodies. And so that when you lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. But you know what we have done over the years? We have reduced the authority that he has given us to the level of a cheerleader. At, at best, if you are a good Christian, at best you are a cheerleader. So forget a soldier. You are just a good cheerleader if you are a good Christian. Just a good cheerleader. You know how to cheer your, your pastor. Give me a P. Uh, give me a P. Give me a P. Give me an A, uh, give me an A, give me an A, give me an S, uh, give me an S, give me an S, give me a T, uh, give me a T, give me a T, give me an O, uh, give me an O, give me an O, give me an A, uh, pastor, oh papa, whatever you fancy, whatever you fancy, and the enemy, the enemy is coming in an onslaught on your children, and all you're going to do is cheerlead? Man, it's time to pick up your authority and fight back. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's time for believers to stand their ground, draw a line in the sand and say, devil, your time is up. Get off my family. And not just roll with the punches. You know, the enemy is going to keep poking you to see if you'll fight back. You're going to put some on your children. And some of you will fall apart like a, like a, I was going to say a $2 suit, but in Africa you can get a really nice suitcase for $2. So. Yeah. I can show you some places. Amen. Man, don't fall apart. Fight back. God has equipped you to win. If you read the back of the book, you win. Why? Because Jesus already defeated the enemy at the cross. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Man, the enemy is going to try you, but you have to submit yourself to God and then resist the devil. And what will happen? In fact, let me show you this diagram. This is what it looks like when you're submitted to God, right? God is over here. You must never forget this diagram. God is over here, and you are over here as his son. Right? You, there's sonship, and you are over here as a son. And, and when you're submitted to God, it automatically makes you the master of the devil and circumstances. Right? You are God's son, right? You serve God, and you are the master of the devil and circumstances, and you serve men. Right? Men are not down here. They're right, next, they're right there next to you so you can serve them. In fact, if you don't have an attitude of service, uh, you will fail miserably in ministry. Yep. Ministry is not for people who want to self-serve. If you don't genuinely have other people's interests at heart, if you don't genuinely want the people that you lead as a pastor or an apostle or a prophet, if you don't genuinely want them to do better than you, then ministry is not your thing. Can I get an amen? amen. In fact, there are some people, they are so self-consumed. I was talking with Marshall. I said, man, all I need sometimes is to spend a time with some of these, you know, Christian leaders a day or two and find out what they believe and find out how they operate. Some of them just so self-consumed. I could go and sell my house and put all of that money on a bet that they will fail in ministry and I will make a lot of money. Because they're just so self-consumed. It's all about them. Me, myself, and I. It's all about them. And God gives them countless opportunities to repent. They won't do it. Because they don't realize that man is there to serve. You have to serve. This is why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And you have been here trying to get people to wash your feet. But I won't preach about that. Can I get an amen? And I'm trying to help you. 
God has positioned you to win. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls it a good fight of faith. You know what makes it good? Because you win. You know, I like football and my team is Arsenal. You know what makes a good game afterwards? Say, how was the game? You know what makes it a good game? <laughs> when we won. <laughs> if we lose, that was no good game, man. <laughs> and he calls it the, the, the good fight of faith because he's positioned you to win. And that's why the Apostle Paul says to all of us, he says when you go into the race of life, run, realizing that you have been equipped with his authority, but also run as one who runs to win. Don't just do life for the sake of doing life. Do life to win. Man, everywhere I go, I'm trying to win. You know, we have family night at our house every Friday. It's been a tradition for the last five years. Every Friday, we have family night, and sometimes we play games, and we're playing dominoes. We play all kinds of... I'm not, my, my wife and kids think I'm playing. I'm not playing to play. I'm playing to win. I'm playing to win. In fact, I had my pastor. My pastor, you know, uh, uh, we, we were playing uh, Monopoly, you know, and it was me, my wife, my pastor, and uh, Pastor Douglas and Prosper were playing Monopoly. And on the first round, I managed to convince Prosper, it was the first time, to play Monopoly to sell me all his, the streets. And I put hotels there. First round. And my pastor couldn't play anymore because he knew now we are playing to lose. Man, you must play to win. Amen? If, if, if you're not winning, why play? And I was talking to my uh, uh, kids, you know, the oldest one. She, she, she's a swimmer, right? She likes to swim in galas and stuff. And uh, in, in the, at the beginning of the year, she swam a few galas, and she came second in some races, you know, uh, butterfly and stuff. And so we were talking, having a conversation in May, and I said to her, hey, Manesu, you realize you didn't win any of these races? She said, yeah. I said, you know, so what do you want to do about it? Because at the end of the year, the races are back. Are you, are you settling for second? You know, I wanted to make sure I'm not putting my, you know, drive on her. And I said, are you happy with second? She said, no, I'm not. I said, so you think we should get a trainer? She said, yeah, I think we should do that. I said, do you realize it's going to mean commitment? You know, two hours every week where we go and you get trained? She said, I'm ready. And so we went and found an Olympic, ex-Olympic swimmer who was taking her to swim. And to, to, why? Because we're not swimming just to swim. Yeah. <laughs> At the Butais, it's different. When we get in there, we, we, I mean, Q and I, we go play golf. He thinks we're playing golf. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> he, started, he started learning now that, you know, we don't play to play. We, play to, we were playing with these other two guys. These other two guys came and they said, you know, we want to play with you, Faith, you boys, against us. They were from, you know, another church, and so we said, okay. And so we played with them, and we went about two, two strokes ahead, and Q every often, you know, would play a horn. You'd look at me and say, PT, now we have our foot here on them. He says, now we have, he says, let's not remove this foot. Let's keep it. <laughs> he says, once you put your foot, and I'm telling you, once you put your foot on the devil's head, yeah. keep it there. Amen. There's no time for you to remove that and play games. You keep it there. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and if you're not winning, what's the, what's the use? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same school, uh, swimming school. At, at the end of the term last year, they said, you know, now we want a parents race at the end of the term. <laughs> and that's the one I was going to do just for fun. You know, that one I, I, I told them, I said, I told him, I said, this is not, this is not, this is it's for fun. And then we got to the day, and then just to illustrate what I'm saying, it was 10 of us on the starting line, eight of the parents, they were not there for fun. They were wearing swimsuits, and they were wearing uh, those colorful glasses and, uh, 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 you know, swimming caps. They didn't want their hair slowing them down. They're ready. They're, they're ready to go. And so I looked, and I realized, you know what? I don't want to swim to lose. And so I said, no, I'm not going in. I'm done. I'm not, you know. No, I'm not swimming. I said, I was wearing my basketball shorts. And, you know, I was really, and my kids were cheering me on. Come on, Daddy. You know. 
And I said, man, I'm not going to embarrass myself. The guys had to beg me to raise them. The guys came and begged me. He said, okay, 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 okay. Tafara, this is what they said. They said, okay, you can jump in when we say on your marks, get set, you can jump in. We'll give you a head start. This is a true story. And so I said, on that note, I will race. And so I went, went on the starting line, on your marks, get set, boom, I'm gone. And when I turned to look at them, the guys were in front of me already. I'm, they were gone. It's the only race I've lost in my life. <laughs> Otherwise, don't, 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 don't. And, but the, the, the worst one was the teacher, right? She was a sore loser. I mean, I lost and I took it in. But she, she, she faked an injury halfway. She said, well, she said my hamstring, she pulled a hamstring. And I was like, man, this is not true. But here's, here's what I'm saying, guys. Jesus has already fixed the race in your favor. Uh, you talk about on your marks, get set, you jump in. No, no, no. Jesus got you to jump in two days before the race started. 2,000 years ago. He's already won it for you. All you and I get to do is to superimpose his victory of our life circumstances. We just superimpose the authority that he has given us over life circumstances. When we see something out of whack, you see, this is where sometimes Christians miss it, is that they, there's this tagline that they throw around, and it really, it's, it's, it's from this belief that whatever will be, will be. And so they don't take authority over stuff, and they're always trying to check, is this God's will? Is that God's will? Is that, in fact, to the point where you say to someone, hey, I'll meet you tomorrow for lunch. They say, yeah, God willing. And God is always willing. Amen. Amen. They always throw this tag and they say, God, can you imagine an, a police officer who has been given authority by the state, they see someone commit a crime and they say, instead of superimposing their authority and arrest that person, they, they call head office to check if it's the will of God. Wow. Hello? There's a guy stealing right now. I just wanted to check what I should do. Is this the will of, of the state or not? And people do that. They call heaven. They hear someone has a cancer. The devil is plundering. And they call heaven. They say, hello, heaven. I just want to check if this cancer is, is from God. It's not from God. When you see something out of work, what do you do? You spring to action and enforce the authority that Jesus gave to you. And he gave us a name that is above every other name. Amen. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Amen. Of things right here on the earth and things in the heavens. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. And so we don't check to see, well, is it, man, if it doesn't line up with what Jesus paid for at the cross... We have to correct it. He has already given us that authority. Amen? It's not our own authority. It's his authority. In closing, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up right here. Ephesians chapter number 1 uh, from verse 18. I'm reading in the Amplified. And he says this. This is the Apostle Paul praying, right? Ephesians chapter number uh, 1. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 1 verse... Verse number 18 in the Amplified. And the Apostle Paul says, uh, do you have the original Amplified? He says this. He says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, uh, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope. What is that hope? The divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, uh, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. There is, a, there is an inheritance in the saints that God has put uh, uh, in us uh, when we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And he says in verse 19, And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable, someone say immeasurable, which means you can't measure it, right? Uh, unlimited. Someone say unlimited. That means, you know, I mean, this thing is infinite. And uh, surpassing. Someone say surpassing. This is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power. 
Amen. Amen. He says here, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power? And he says this over here, his power in us who believe. Where is that power? And this power is not somewhere in the heavenlies. This power is resident in us who believe. All you had to do for this power to be put on the inside of you was believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and personal Savior. Believe that Jesus Christ defeated the enemy 2,000 years ago and regained the authority that Adam lost and gave it back to you. If you believe that, there is an infinite, unlimited, surpassing power. And it's an active power. And it's in every believer. Man, you have this power on the inside of you. And this power makes you way more than what you see in the mirror. You are a powerful being. Can I get an amen? amen. It's, it's kind of like, you know, God has given you uh, this muscle car. And it's parked in your garage. And what believers will do is they'll go into that car, start the engine, and let the pipes open, and just rev the power. Vroom, 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 vroom. Get out of the car, get excited. <laughs> the power. <laughs> the power. <laughs> the power. Go back inside. Vroom, 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 vroom. Ah, the power. The power is awesome. But no, no, no. This power has been given for you to achieve something. Amen. It's been given for you to go somewhere. It's an active power. It's dynamic in its nature. God has given it to the church so that we can get some res results. And it's in you as a believer. Amen? It says this is an active power. Watch what it says. It says it's an active uh, power. In us who believe, these are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. In other words, what does this power look like? He says this power is in accordance or at the same level as his working, the, the, the power in, in his working in his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above authority and power and dominion, whether angelic, far above every name that is named above every title that can be confirmed, not only in this age and world, but also in the world to come. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet. All things, not all people, all things under Christ's feet. And appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. In other words, he put this power in, in Christ and we are a part of uh, the body of Christ. And so this power was put in us and it's time. All I'm saying this morning is it's time for us to realize that we are victors, that we are empowered, and we should stop playing victim. Amen. You know, there were, uh, at the COVID time, there was uh, 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 one of our own who was put on a, a ventilator, and they told him, they said, you know, it was mash. They put him on a ventilator. They told him, they said, you know, he wasn't going to make it. And so they told Ruth, the wife, they said, go and bring the children so they can say they are goodbyes. And Mash happens to have his brothers. All of them are doctors, right? Very educated family. And so all of these brother, doctor brothers were calling his wife, Ruth, you know, to say, Ruth, come on, man, just take the kids so they can say they are goodbyes. You're not going to make it. We know the ventilator. This is a doctor speaking. And Ruth realized that she had uh, an authority, a far surpassing, unlimited authority in Christ. And she looked them in the face and she said not my husband Amen. he will live and he will not die and in that moment something was reversed death was reversed she could have said oh yeah I'm going to take the children and she would have blown it she decided she was going to stand the ground and she said not my husband guess what as a believer she didn't need a title she didn't need an ordination for her to be able to do that because the, the, the Lord put the power in the believer. Amen. The believer is the most powerful entity being, if you will, here in the earth because we carry God on the inside of us. Amen. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. 
And she said, not my husband. And the doctor said, you are in denial. She said, no, I'm not. I'm in faith. And Mash came to my office and he told me, he said, man, I was, now Mash, Mash is not a church guy like, you know, you and I. Mash comes to church when he wants to. And so when he's telling me these things, I know it's coming from, you know, what he really saw. He's not trying to impress me. He's a mathematician. And so Mesh came to my office and said, Pastor, you know, when I was closing my eyes, I went to this place, and, and, and there were these things trying to take me, and man, I would fight them off, fight them off, and whenever I would get tired, the other people would jump in and start fighting them off. I said, those were people praying for you, people standing in the gap, people exercising their authority to rebuke those things. And he said this, he says, right at the end, there was another big one that came, and he started whipping these things. I said, man, I'm telling you, that's Jesus. Because he's the one at the right hand of the Father interceding on behalf of the saints. He says, man, he whipped those things. And afterwards, he came and kissed him on his forehead. And he came back to life. And he came from the ventilator to the general ward the next day to walking in the streets the third day. Now, you tell me that the believer is not powerful. I saw. I saw it in that testimony that the believer is powerful. All you need is to believe what God has already put on the inside of you. And so Mash is telling me this story, Q. He's telling me this story. I'm sitting at the office. He says, man, I, and I saw the Lord. I saw him. I saw the Lord, and he came, and he kissed me on the forehead. You know, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, Lord, I go to church 52 times in a year. I haven't seen you. <laughs> in a vision. And the Lord said to me, don't worry, we can make it happen. I said, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I said, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I said, no, I'm playing. But man, I'm telling you, the believer has authority. When the believer stops realizing that, they reduce themselves to just a mere cheerleader. Don't do that to yourself. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to cry. Man, when these things become alive on the inside of us, this is why it says when we make it to heaven, God is going to wipe tears off our eyes. Have you ever thought about it? We are in the greatest place, the best place to be, and people will still be crying because all of a sudden they'll realize how powerful they were. And they say, God, you're telling me I didn't have to put up with that? And he says, yes. Okay, what should I have done? He says, just rebuke. How long? He says, one second. I need to start crying. Ah, Send me back. <laughs> well, he's giving you that chance right now by bringing this revelation to your heart. And it's time for you to start exercising it. Why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Someone shout, I believe. I believe. And therefore... I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, active, working on the inside of me. I have the same immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing power working on the inside of me. Therefore, circumstances will not dominate me. I will have dominion over circumstances. I will have dominion over storms of life, over creation. I will not play victim. For Jesus has made me more than a conqueror through Christ who's loved me and called me according to his purpose. Amen. Man, every time you see yourself uh, looking for someone to blame or you see yourself just wanting to cry and just want, you know, I just want to cry. You've forgotten who you are in Christ. Amen. This is a real storm Jesus is in. Lightning. And he's, he's dealing with fishermen and if they are afraid, it means it's a real storm. Lightning. It could have been dark gray outside and the water is filling up the boat. Is, there's a great chance that this thing might capsize. If Jesus believed in the landing of the shoulder for the disciples to find a shoulder to cry on, this was a perfect opportunity. Just come on here. All I need is a hug. 
Sometimes you just need to stand up and rebuke and then get a hug afterwards. Can I get an amen? amen? Man, you are a victor. Don't play victim. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for you have equipped us as your children. Lord, we thank you that the same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you have put in the inside of us believers. We thank you, Father, for we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, Lord, I thank you that this morning we have learned that as life storms come our way, we will stand our ground and rebuke the winds of life. We will stand our ground and rebuke the storms of life. Not based on what we do, but based on what Jesus did for us at the cross. Thank you, Father, that none under the sound of my voice will perish in the storm, having learned this truth. But, Father, that we will stand and know that we are believers and we have been called of God to fight a good fight of faith. A, faith, a fight that we win. Amen. Because Jesus has already won it for us at the cross. Lord, we thank you for it and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and someone shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, you are the one. God has called you for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. Paul was powerful. No mistake. But today, you are more useful to God than Paul. Because you can go to Randberg and deal with some stuff. Paul is in heaven. God is counting on you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Some of you, God is going to give you children. And he's counting on you to raise them. He's counting on you to lay hands on them. And pray spiritual wisdom over them. God is counting on you to be the priest of your home. Amen. Amen. Don't play victim. That time is over. It's time for us to stand and be counted. Because God has put so much on the inside of us. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who cool.